Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Wrestling fans, and welcome to, it is, let me think here, episode 161 yeah. of the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Nate Maxson, your host, here with you, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, everyone. And returning to the microphone, we're glad to have him back, Mr. Archie yeah. Mitchell. Thank you for having me, Nate and Aaron. I missed you guys, and I missed all of our wonderful audience and everybody that listens to our podcast. And I want to thank everybody that has reached out to Archie. You know, you don't yes. realize you don't realize uh, the communities that we're in, the Asylum, the We Can't Wrestle podcast, etc. Yep. Um, people really do care, and oh yeah, that's that's very cool. And I want to thank everybody. I know I, I'm speaking for Archie here. I guess what a blow. No, I, I am. But I just I, want to thank everybody for reaching out to Archie and in, in his time. I, and, uh, I had people in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania were like, "What hospital are you in? I'm coming down now. I need to see you." I'm like, wow, these are people who have never seen me face to face, but because I'm ill and I'm not feeling well, they want to come and check on me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it just, the support system in these groups, not just because we all collect toys, but because we're humans and we all get along and we got to know each other is amazing. Absolutely. And like I said, we're happy to have you back. And I know you elaborated on uh, your show, everything that was going on. So we won't uh, rehash all of that. Um, listen to if you smell what the arch is cooking for the health update for Mr. Mitchell. There's Thank there you, you very go. Much. Thank you very that'll much. Get, that'll get, we'll use <laughs> we'll use your we'll use your ill health as a ratings game. Yes, aren't I, aren't I Vince McMahon over here? We'll, so. uh, we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll 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 say the Tony Giovanni line. That'll put some butts in the seats. Well, I was thinking about the the <laughs> Randy Orton Ray Mysterio. Eddie's not up there. Yeah, Eddie's that was horrible. Down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we are going... Oh, go ahead, Aaron. You look like you were going to say something. I was going to say, like you said, you weren't going to be like a Vince McMahon. I was like, yeah, like interviewing Archie's wife, like the day that he goes into the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Like Melanie Pillman? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us about the problems. How sad are you? Are you worried about your children? What are you going to do? Are you going to cry right now? Are you going to cry? That would be very helpful. (laughs) Poor Melanie Pillman. (laughs) 
All right. Well, what we are going to do starting this week, I don't know how many weeks this is going to take us. (laughs) (laughs) That That would be helpful if you cried right now. (laughs) (laughs) This may take us a few couple weeks, but uh, we're going to do this. I have in my on my desk at this moment, not in my hand, but on my desk, the initial edition of the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500, which as wrestling fans. Going way back, I know for me personally, this is every year my favorite print magazine. It was my Bible. I used to get it every year and read it for the entire year. Mm -hmm. And if anybody anybody who made the list really high up, if they ever like debuted on TV as an handsome talent or as a new wrestler, they're like, oh shit, he's 398. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The the garbage man, Duke Drozzi at one point was number 500. Uh, But. That being said, what we're going to do is eh, we're going to take this about 90 minutes every time and see how many episodes it takes us to get through the initial Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500. I think this is going to be fun, and uh, we'll see how long it takes because you never know how how long you're going to spend on one wrestler because we've done these randomly where we've gone through a couple of them and just picked out random names, but... Never gone through an entire list, so I'm looking forward to this. This issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated is the December 1991 issue. For those of you that are younger wrestling fans and don't understand what I'm about to say, the December 1991 issue came out in October of 1991. Because for some reason, if you guys remember, I always thought it was weird as a kid. Why is the December edition coming out in October? But that's how magazines worked. It was just kind of odd. So this is, uh, let me see. Just to put it in perspective, the only other cover story here, at the top of the, 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 the cover, it says, finally, Hogan versus Flair. So this is at the, around the time Ric Flair came into the WWF, and him and Hogan had stinker matches in Oakland and around the horn, which yeah. made Vince kind of decide not to go with that as the top program in the company, I guess. Thank God he didn't. If it was that bad, I mean, if we well, and to we be honest, the, the great feud of Savage versus Flair, he did it in the wrong region, right? And if you if you would have went with that, I, I, you know, being selfish, I never would have got the Randy Savage Ric Flair program from exactly. 90s. Exactly. You know, so. All right, so let's start. Unless you guys have anything else, nope. We'll start at nope. number five hundred. And uh, for those of you that are not, fi- I don't know if we have would have listeners that have never read a 500, but they always give you the ranking, the heights, their weight, and how many years they've been a pro. So who was number 500 in the first Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500? And I will also mention who got a picture, and he did get a picture. It is Zeus. Wow. 6'10", 343, two years pro. Tiny Lister Jr. is a fine character actor who starred in the 1989 film No Holds Barred, then tried to wrestle. Disastrous results. (laughs) Still, quote-unquote, wrestles, but... So, at this point, he's not in the WWF anymore, I don't believe. Um, He actually, if you I don't know if you guys have ever seen when he went down to Puerto Rico and wrestled Abigail as a butcher. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. Yeah, nobody awesome. wanted to bump. Yeah, nobody, nobody knew how to bump. Right. I never. I don't want to say that. Abdullah knew how to. Abby bump. knew he just wasn't going to do it. Right. And then there's another horrible. He fought somebody else too. That's just 
God, like I don't know if he fought El Gigante or somebody, but it's just <laughs> like yeah, they ne- they never put this guy in the ring with someone that could work. I mean, I'm no. talking about Hogan could work, but you know what I'm saying. Like well, they never right, put- but but Beefcake might have been the only one who actually was willing to take a bump for Zeus. Hogan really wasn't willing to. He was just willing to get choked and beaten down. You know, so. Beefcake Barber! <laughs> the only time Beefcake was, like, one of the... In the main event? Well, now just, like, the... How do I say it? The non-worst guy in the ring. <laughs> Right, you're right about that. <laughs> and unless there's anything else on Zeus, we'll move on to 499. I'm good. Number 499 in the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500, Dwayne Gill, six foot two twenty three, only two years pro at this point. Dwayne Gill, youngster, is trying to his best in the WWF preliminaries. Seems to have potential, but has suffered at the hands of Bo Beverly and Animal. <laughs> Not yet ready for the huge WWF monsters. Dwayne Gill, from my childhood, you know he was he was my uh, yeah my late childhood, early teens. He was the perennial jobber. Him and Barry Hardy, yep. and uh, yep. um, oh, oh, there's a. Barry Horowitz. Well, yeah, Barry Horowitz. Um, Louis Piccoli was was one of the main jobbers that they had at that time. Yep. Only I don't I just, think he went by Louis Piccoli. Actually, just just watched a primetime wrestling um, with a young faced Louis Piccoli doing yeah, a job Ray on it. Ray yeah, Ken Ray. Oof. Worst fucking name ever. <laughs> yep. Like, is he a raper of everybody, or just right. guys? Ken, like, what is it? He's raping the ratings of anything that will be Well, we actually have a – I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. Archie, around here, we actually have, an, uh, you know, those big RV lots, you know, yeah. where you can buy a camper or whatever. We have yeah. one in this area. It's over in Indiana, but we have in this area one in this area called Raper RV, and I've always oh, thought, Jesus. Yeah, like, couldn't you just, like, you know, let somebody else be the guy that's on the name there? Cause right. Or come Sounds up with crazy. another name. Yeah. <laughs> like, go so, with your first name. No. Gary's no, RVs. Are they, are they raping me on price? Do I get or raped in the RV? buy the RV? Right. Do I get, yes. As I'm pulling away, does somebody jump out and go, rape? And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I should know like, better. The guy, the, like, I'd go there and be like, oh, yeah, the outside looks great. I'll, I'll take it. He's like, you don't want to you don't want to come inside? Be like, no. 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 Absolutely not. Is that ether? It's like try, drink this drink this warm milk and we're gonna go inside. Like, <laughs> Back to Dwayne Gill though. I yes. used to like when they would put him up <laughs> when they would team him with Barry Hardy. They mm-hmm. were almost like twins because they both had that ratted blonde mullet, but yet they had yeah. black beards and they wore the same kind of singlet. So you kind of weren't sure is it Dwayne Gill or is it Barry Hardy at the time? And they they yeah. always they always they they did what a Enhancement talent, fuck it, a jobber, whatever right. is supposed to do. They made their opponent look good. Yeah, they both the did Gil their could job. bump. Yes, the way Gil would get thrown around the ring by every big man in the business. He knew what he was doing. So, I also didn't realize that, and I know this is 1991, and we're talking, we're in 2022 now. 
But I had, it surprised me that he had only been there. He had only been working two years. Yeah. Right. Right. He probably um, had about fifty matches under his belt in those three years. <laughs> like he he's actually probably I bet if you went back and looked, Dwayne Gill has the most matches on WWF superstars <laughs> of right. anybody. Right. Every <laughs> week he had a match. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next person on the list, number 498. Yes, this old fossil was still around at this time. Tojo Yamamoto. Oh. Five foot oh. seven, 230 pounds, 38 years in the business. This and, has uh, to be the year. This has to be his last year on earth. The bio here has almost no business being on this list, but he has competed in the USWA recently. Only about 20 years past his prime. Better off sticking to managing rule breakers. I have... <sighs> Tojo Yamamoto. I mean, by the time I was, you know, by the time I was able to even see the USWA or see anything like that on TV, he was fucking ancient. Yeah. That, as a manager. Um, I didn't get to see any of his wrestling stuff until I grew up and got, you know, started digging into things and watching Memphis. And I never thought he was very good. I mean, he was, he was over as a heel there. And ironically, he was really over as a face when he teamed with Jerry Jarrett. Um, but I never dug Tojo. I don't know about you guys or how much you've seen or. And you know, what's funny. Like we say he's ancient, you know, mm-hmm. guess how old he was when he died. How old? 65. And when was that? That was in February 1992. Okay, so not long after this. Yeah, wow. it's like, I don't think 65 is ancient. You know what I mean? But in like no. terms, it kind of is. And unfortunately, blasted himself. That's why he died. Like he didn't die of natural causes. I didn't even, I didn't know that either. I didn't know he offed himself. Right. He offed himself. Well, maybe it was when he read that he was... Four ninety eight supposed to be on this list, you old piece of shit. <laughs> it was two sacks that caused it. It was actually uh, uh, um, Bob Smith, but anyway. Okay. Anyway, um, again, I was not a fan of Tojo. Tojo never... was. A, to, I'm sorry. No, that's all right. He was a guy. Okay, this is what he was for Memphis, and I, and I'm not I'm not comparing them work-wise or whatever, but he was like like a Fred Velassi or Gorilla Monsoon. Of yeah. That, of that era. Yeah, good. He, was, he, was, yeah. he was figured in. Like, like he trained Jay, he trained Jerry, Jarrett, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And, and, and on all these guys, and they all just idolized him, and he was just a guy that was always there, and as he got older, they were like, fuck it, let's keep Tojo around, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He got like Jerry. I think Jerry Jarrett looked at it as I wouldn't be where I'm at if Tojo hadn't done what he did for me. So right. I'm going to give back to him and just keep him. Like, like he might not be the best in the world, but we're just going to keep him around. Kind of like Paul Jones too. Yeah. You know? yeah, Paul Jones was a garbage manager, but he was a guy that everybody liked, and he helped the kids when they were. He helped the. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. He, yeah. And he, he, he came, he, he was in that territory forever. And then that territory evolved into a national promotion. And there he still was. Cause yeah. you know, they, they liked him, him and him. And, and he I, laid I, the bricks that were the foundation of what our company's built on. So let's right. keep him around. Yeah. 
497 conquistador this is, a, number. this is not a thing anymore no conquistador number one is that, is that the taller one or the shorter one 497 conquistador number one 510 237 years pro Spanish veteran continues on, still sports gold outfit, which covers his entire body. Once formed a fine team with Conquistador 2 in the WWF, but 2 has left the United States. I was going to um, say, what did they break up? <laughs> you know. two, 2 finally got deported, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's been um, trying to, he was trying to find number 3, but number 3 was lost to the Brazilian. If your, buddy gets, de- if your buddy gets deported and you're no longer... A team? Do you still have to call yourself number one? Like, right. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out later in the list that Conquistador 2 is wrestling as Conquistador 2 in Puerto Rico or something. Um, or another East. staple of the childhood, watching them lose on WWF television. Yeah. Yeah. But they did They did win the tag team titles one time. They No, they didn't. Yes, they did when Edge and Christian wore the outfits and pretended uh, to be them. You sneaky bastards. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They also they also won a tag team Survivor Series match. Did they? Yes, because of the, the break, because because of Mr. Fuji turning on or no, they didn't win, did they? They went to the they were the one of the last two teams. I'm yeah, sorry. they went to the end of it. Yes. They went to the end of it. One of it be, won it because Fuji the Stooge turned. Fooge the Stooge. And that was a cool double cross, but nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, people thought Fuji turned face. Mm-hmm. Right. That was one of those, one of those they times. Explained that, well, they explained it well on TV, but the, uh, the live crowd didn't understand it. That was one of those times, like the Rumble 92, where when they showed it later, they had to sweeten the crowd and make them boo. Because they were, you're right, they were actually cheering Fuji. <laughs> turned into a good guy. That's not until later when he's old in his little robe with Yokozuna in 96. They gave him the American flag. Technically, he wasn't really good. He just went along with Yokozuna. He never actually claimed to be a face. They should have made it like that. They should have been like, he's just senile. Like, he's just still following Yokozuna around. Right. (laughs) Yeah. He's hungry. He knows where Yoko knows. He knows Yoko knows where all the good food is. (laughs) Number 496, Scorpion number one. 5'10", 223, four years pro. Not a black scorpion, but a member of a masked USWA tag team. The duo hasn't got out of the preliminary ranks as of yet. Both scorpions are quick and agile. I have no idea who this is. Nope. No idea. Hey, I thought you you meant the black hearts, and then I realized you said scorpion. I was going to say maybe it's David Heath, but... No, No, yeah, I'd have to to look into that. I I didn't even Google on that. Yeah, not worth it. All right, four ninety five. Duke Snyder sounds like a DJ. Five seven like a baseball player. Five seven, two hundred thirty pounds. One year pro. IWCCW grappler has to be seen to be appreciated. Must be pushing forty years of age, which makes him the oldest rookie we've ever seen. Oh, Strictly God. a puncher and a kicker. I don't know who this dude is either. But. I guarantee he sucked if he was in the <laughs> IWCCW. I'm assuming that stood for the International World Class Championship Wrestling. It did. It uh, was birth. It was birthed out of, out of from. I mean, it was hatched. Yeah, I don't know how you trace the history, but it it wound up being like there were mergers and blah blah blah. But ah, uh, okay. 
Yeah. International World. The ICW merged with World Class Championship Wrestling. And it was just a big goddamn cluster. This came out of uh, basically Lawler and um, Jarrett, if I remember right, fucking screwing over the Von Erics when they tried to do the. Oh, okay. And, and the thing, and WCCW was so dead in the water and bad that when um, the USWA guys went into the fucking sportatorium and tore down the flag and hung up the USWA's banner, the crowd cheered. And yeah, and it all got so sideways that this promotion isn't in Texas or Tennessee; it's in like New Jersey. So, wow. and they they used to actually we would get to see some of the shows in like 92, I think, or 93 anyway, late at night here. And they were like, okay, here's one thing they did. They promoted because the honky tonk man wrestled for them. Okay. Right. They promoted on TV. The honky tonk man kept challenging Rick rude to come and face him to find out who was the, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And he cut promos for like two months okay. about this. Rick Rude okay. never came in. Rick Rude right. never came in. Oh, no, he showed up once and they cut that promo. So they Did showed he? Up promo yeah, I, don't even, I don't even remember he that. Showed up, he showed up once and they cut like a promo with them getting into it at ringside and they would just continuously show that <laughs> and say they were going to bring in this match and they never fucking did it. They also constantly showed a match. Like, as I shit you not, Archie. They would have, they would show this match that they had between Tony Atlas and Vic Steamboat for their championship, but they would literally show, they would literally show it like every week. Why do I remember? It sounds so familiar. Probably because it's just part of that. It's part of the opening. Was the open? Did the opening have the Metal Maniac running in the ring like the Ultimate Warrior? Probably. Okay, (laughs) then I've I've seen it before. Then you, I that brought back so many memories just now. Tony Atlas and Vic Steamboat. Yeah, because they tried. I think Rude didn't go in or couldn't work because of Lloyd's of London bullshit with Vince. Oh, okay. And then, and then when that cleared up, he uh, obviously went to Turner. Mm-hmm. Number four ninety four, Dynamo. He's 5'11", 230, one year pro, energetic rookie, has few pro matches under his belt. I don't think he had many more because I don't know who the hell it is. Currently competing for Tri-State Wrestling Alliance. Rarely strays from the rule book. So I don't know who that is. I have a dumb question. I never understood this about the PWI 500. Did promoters from these independent uh, companies send in the names of these wrestlers? Or did somebody go out and actually scout all of these wrestlers and then decide where they fell? I don't know. I know. I, I it's, honestly, I don't know. I would actually love to have because. All right, so Bob Smith is actually the guy. At least the first couple I know. Yeah, he, he he was the one. He was the first guy that that compiled this list. Mm-hmm. He literally did it on his own, and because I've heard him, he's he's the co-host of John Arezzi's new podcast. Right. I've heard him discuss that. So that would actually be an interesting question. Maybe I could send to. Yeah, I'd love to know. You know, if, I don't know. I'd have to see. Maybe if Bob's on Facebook or something, or I could reach out to him and see. I mean, you I, hear the bio. You hear that bio, and it's got to be written by somebody other than the promoter, than the guy writing the PWI 500, because how would he know what this wrestler is all about, a rookie or not, if he right. never saw him? You know. 
I think I know what happened to Dynamo. What happened? Uh, he started wrestling, and then his label-making business took off. And he <laughs> doing this now. <laughs> so much more profitable. 493, Bubba Fangman. What a name. Six foot two seventeen, three years pro. Texas regular is a hardworking preliminary wrestler. Has competed in world class USWA and GWF. Flying head scissors stuns opponents. Never fails to give his best. You can't be two hundred and seventeen pounds doing head scissors and call yourself Bubba. Bubba, right? <laughs> that's a. That's I agree. A name. That's a right. Skinny man name. Got to be at least three hundred. Uh-huh. Called Bubba. Yeah. Look here, Bubba. <laughs> Number 492, Black Knight, 5'10", 238, four years pro. Mask preliminary rule bro- 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 Easy for me to say. Mask preliminary rule breaker has returned to the WWF. Hasn't had much success in any federation. Primarily a punching bag. Uses foreign objects. This is one of those gimmicks where at any point in time it could have been anybody under the hood. Right. Like the Executioner or um, Dr. X. Right. Whoever this Black Knight is, I don't know. Fuck him. Did he ever be? Might be Dwayne Gill. Hell if I know. Probably Jeff Gaylord. <laughs> I know he was one of the knights at the Survivor Series in 93. Right. right. Number 491, Eric Fontaine. 5'10", One year pro. Brought into the sport by manager Christopher Love. Love has teamed Fontaine with with the rotund Randy Rhodes as the pretty young things. Pretty much an unknown commodity. Christopher Love is... um, Yeah. I have seen that tag team before. Me too. Yep, I remember seeing them. I don't remember where I saw them or what... Show I saw them on or whatever. Maybe GWF. Maybe. Now that Maybe. I think of it, they may have been in the the initial G. I'd have to go back and look. They may have been in that initial GWF tag team tournament. Right. Everything I, I, I know, Prentice managed a tag team on that, but I can't remember who it was. Everything I heard, he's a fucking weirdo. Prentice. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is the Jericho stories. No, go listen. Go listen to Howard, Howard. Go listen to Howard Baum talk about him. All right, four ninety. I remember seeing this name. I remember seeing this name back in the day when I was a kid reading this. Um, this I don't know where this one just clicks with me. Number four ninety, Boss Hog Calhoun, C O W H O U N, six three four hundred and fourteen. One year pro. Huge huge farmer is competing in UWF and ICW. Vast blubbery midsection makes him a huge pile of dead weight. Moves very well for such an obese figure. Not a flattering description there. Yeah, that's That's a a Bubba. Bubba. (laughs) Or should be teaming with a guy named Bubba. One of the the two. But it's interesting you said that because I remember that name as well, Nate. And if I'm not mistaken, he fluctuated between 470 and 500 every year in the PWI. Well, right now he's still young and svelte at 414. 
right. I don't think he was talking about his weight. I think he's talking about his number. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean his weight, babe. That was I an unintentional funny thing for me. <laughs> All right. Nate, Nate fat shaming the wrestlers. Stop it, Nate. <laughs> like Archie cared enough about. He had to look up his weight. And he turned his weight. <laughs> and number 489, Rockin' Randy. Yep. Six foot tall, 223, four years pro. Colorful young competitor pops up in USWA from time to time. Scored a big win over Leatherface by disqualification in August and flies off the top rope with ease. I don't know who this is. Heard the name before. I've never seen him no wrestle idea. before, though. I know Leatherface is Corporal Kirshner. Yeah. All right, 488, Johnny Be Good. 5-8-231, ah. two years pro. Not to be confused with Johnny Be Bad. Short and squat, but plenty of power. Whoa. Has competed in the UWF and the IWCCW. A favorite in Brooklyn, New York. I don't know what if I ever you? saw this guy wrestle. I know reading oh. about him. He was Johnny B. Bad's doppelganger. I don't know what his theme song was. <laughs> I, I think I do too. <laughs> be funny, actually, if he came out to the wrong Chuck Berry song. <laughs> it was a teenage wedding, and the old folks fished them well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four eighty-seven, Hunter Thompson. <laughs> not, not the, not the, uh, 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 fucking nutbag. Writer, yeah. Um, Hunter Thompson, six foot two thirty three, one year pro. Not oh, here it is. Not the famous Gonzo journalist, but Love a prominent wrestler. WCW hey. TV appearances have led to many independent matches and still honing his style. I like that they had to say, yeah, he's not the. <laughs> <laughs> Number four eighty six, Farmer Boy Ellis. Six one two forty one year pro farm fresh to you competes in bib overalls and bare feet. Fans seem to love him. Boasts a powerful right cross. Just started in the Georgia area. I don't know who that is. Nope. Number four eighty five Tamba the flying elephant. <laughs> Five eight two sixty seventeen years pro. Years ago, this man was famous for hurling his body off the ropes. No more. Age and bulk have made him nearly immobile. Consider him a Mexican Andre. I don't know who this is. Tamba the Flying Elephant. I mean, obviously he wrestles in Mexico because they said consider him a Mexican Andre. I don't don't believe I've ever heard of him. And I think think we'd remember hearing about a flying elephant. So... (laughs) I googled him. All it is is an elephant ride. <laughs> All right then. Google doesn't even know what he's talking. Sounds like Disney's got a lawsuit on their hands. <laughs> well, apparently the guy wrestled for over seventeen years. Number four eighty four, Chris Germany, six foot two thirty eight, two years pro. Popular man is in. Uh, popular young man is in a Tex is a Texas mainstay has competed in the USWA and for the global wrestling federation admits he's still learning scientific all the way. I get him 
confused with the Simpson brothers a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I never actually heard of him before. No, he 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 actually, I believe, made some appearances on primetime wrestling. I think that WWF brought him in. He wrestled like Warlord and stuff on primetime. He was kind of a muscular dude with with like you know your late eighties, mid nineties. Long term, yeah, and he, but I, I, like I said, that's why I get him kind of confused with the Simpson brothers sometimes because they both look the kind of similar to him. Um, number 483, this is the most basic name ever, Dave Johnson, 5'11, 229, two years pro, popular youngster is a scientific star in the Sunshine State, hails from Hollywood, Florida, famous for his array of leg sweeps and takes on the best. If you're famous for your array of leg sweeps, you probably aren't going to go very oh, far. Suck. <laughs> Number 482, Johnny O. Yeah, Six man. foot tall, 226. Young Philadelphia native is being compared to Rick Steiner because of his muscular physique. Just a few matches under his belt. Very popular among young female fans. Once again, this is a guy's pride. I don't think went very far. What do you guys think? I, I, it sounds like a familiar name again, but it might be because I saw it in the PWI 500. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I doubt he went that far with a name like Johnny O. It would have been better if he would have gone by it like the way you said it, Archie. Like, ladies right. and gentlemen, it's Johnny O. Oh. I think he probably had a promising career, but hooked up with one too many of those young female fans. <laughs> Landed himself in, in fucking jail. That's what Aaron's saying. <laughs> Getting my RV. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought it. <laughs> From Rapers. <laughs> 481, Dead-Eyed Dick. Oh, 511, 2.5, one-year pro. We're not sure if he's this good. Or not. Made several promotional appearances as a member of the Desperados for WCW, but competed but competed few times. Seems to be a veteran. Caused Stan Hansen to quit. Yes. And then <laughs> pretty much that whole gimmick was there. That whole angle was what caused Stan Hansen to be like, fuck WCW, I'm out of here. <laughs> Who was Dead Eye Dick? Who played Dead Eye Dick? I don't remember. Or was he just a nobody guy that they put in the Nate, if we Google that, it's going to come back with a lot of bad results. So I think we need to do anything well enough. Turn on, turn on moderate search. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, turn on safe search before you. Remember, remember when you that. used to Google and it would go, do you want to use Google or do you feel lucky? That's the time I would use Google, not feel lucky. Because <laughs> so. usually then you're unlucky. It was right. Moondog Rex. Really? Okay. According to this thing. We're going to trust Aaron's Aaron's Google machine. I believe him. All right, number four eighty. Oh yeah. By the way, that 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 Desperados thing, complete garbage. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> number four eighty, Bobby Rogers, five nine two twenty three, two years pro, Florida wrestler slash manager, claims to be related to former NWA World Champion Buddy Rogers. Flamboyant and talented needs to curb violent temper. That's something that they used to be able to get away with back before, like, 
the Monday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. Like some guy would go be in a promotion and just be like, I'm Buddy Rogers' son. <laughs> and he could just do that. And, you know, like nobody would check him. You know what I mean? <laughs> I doubt it, though. I guess I can't say that. WCW was like, this is Andre's son. Yeah, but that was so believable. I don't know why I believed it. Up until Scott Hall axed the Giant when he joined the NWO, were you really Andre's son and Giant? Like, please. Please. I, I, I might have been like, wow, really? He wasn't? Damn. You know? <laughs> and also, how cool is Scott Hall? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, number 479, General Adnan. 5'10", 245, 32 years pro, formerly Sheik Adnan Al-Kasi, currently manages Sergeant Slaughter in the WWF. At this point in his career, has no business getting in the ring. Devious. Um, I... General Adnan from... Sergeant Slaughter, right? Slaughter, yes. and he was on the Independence with all those other guys. Okay, mm-hmm. go ahead, Aaron. Sorry about that. I was to say he was also Billy White Wolf. Yes, because he because at that time you didn't want to be like you know how I say it. Like I think it. I don't. I don't know if he would have been right around. He's probably older than fucking Iron Sheik or whatever. But yeah, yes. he, oh, he, yeah. Did, he did an Indian gimmick. Um, I want to say wow. a couple of things about Adnan. First, I've actually, I have personally seen more of him. I mean, obviously I saw the general Adnan stuff in the WWF, but I've seen more of him as Billy White Wolf than I have as Adnan Al Casey, just because I don't in my life have never watched a lot of the AWA. Now, what I will say about that is he does have, if you guys have never got to read it, he has a fascinating biography. Read his autobiography. Yeah, I, I wasn't um, aware of him being Billy White Wolf. I did. I just know him as General Agnon. Uh, yeah, Agnon on Casey that, dude, and, that dude got the fuck out of Iraq. He's like, I gotta mm-hmm. go. Fuck he was. He was this. like. He was literally one of Saddam Hussein's um, doubles. doubles. Yes, and snuck out of Iraq and. I mean, he has a fascinating story. I remember right, it's because like he was but like high school buddies or something with Saddam, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then like for some reason pissed him off or did something and was like, I gotta fucking go or this guy's gonna chop my head off. I guess. Literally, literally the pictures that they show of him with with uh, Saddam Hussein in the WWF when they were doing the whole angle, he's that's a literal picture of Adnan with Saddam Hussein when they were younger because he was Saddam's friend. Really? So kind of, yep. Kind of a crazy story. Like I said, if you haven't, if you never had a chance, I, I was, I was, just, I actually, I picked up his autobiography. I'll be honest, I picked it up at like two ninety nine at a thrift store and wasn't expecting much. I'm just a collector, you know. Right, right. I read it and I, it, it was, I was fascinated. <laughs> like it was like a pet store page turner. Like I'm like, I, can't, I finished this book in a day. Because wasn't right. he even worried about doing the angle because he still had family over there or something. Yep. Yep. He was afraid that, you know, Saddam would, like, cut his family's head off or whatever. But Damn. It ain't like Saddam Hussein's watching the WWF in 1991. Or Vince is like, I'll put another 100 on it. Like, okay. Son of the slaughter. Rack him up. All right. Ah, one of my low-key favorite goofy wrestling guys ever is next. 
number 478, the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty. Veteran is semi-retired, competing mainly in the Boston area. Graveled voice brawler was once given a job as a WWF broadcaster called the Duke of Dorchester. I like him like as a goofy like his his commentary was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like there's those shows I don't know if you guys have seen them but there's like sh- stuff where they have like him and Bruce Pritchard and Mike McGurk commentating. Oh, it's, it's trash. <sighs> but there he is. Bruce is the guy that puts himself over as much as he can, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and whatever, it's the wrestling business that's what you're supposed to do, you know? But I've even heard Bruce go, I was I was terrible. Like he's like, I went to Vince and was like, You can't do this anymore. <laughs> like we're we suck. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I will do anything you want me to do, but I will not commentate anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I like I like I like I like uh watching Doherty like you know, he was one of the ah, guys. He was a good jobber. Yeah. He and was like, he was like a Mike Sharp. And whenever he'd be in the Boston Garden, they'd cheer him. Yeah, because he was their boy. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Number 477, Freezer Thompson. No idea. USWA preliminary wrestler gets bashed on TV, but has gained a strong following. Fans gave him a nickname, gave him the nickname due to his resemblance to football's refrigerator Perry. He's a big fat schlub. <laughs> Number 476, Jammer. I, don't know, I love the pause. 6'3", 251, <laughs> one-year pro. A member of Brute Force with, you guessed it, Slammer. Oh, I was going to go Bammer. Villas are the current Georgia All-Star Tag Team Champions managed by Barbie. Style compares with Jerry Sags. I'm sure we'll see Slammer come up here at some point. Yeah. It'll be funny if he doesn't, though. 475, Rick Hunter, 5'10", 245, 16 years pro. Veteran has competed mainly in the WWF during the past five years. Boasts a great short-arm scissors with a short-arm scissors, scissors, a hold rarely used today. Among the last of the old breed of battlers. He's he's a he's a jobber I remember from the, you know, the yeah. Madison Square Garden shows and all that. I know the name. Yeah, I've heard it before. Number 474, we all know who this guy becomes. Horace Boulder. 6'2", 240, one-year pro. Florida rookie has strong bloodlines. Nephew of WWF world champion Hulk Hogan. Currently competing in Japan. Wrestles nothing like Hogan, instead forging his own style. What do you guys think of, of Horace? I honestly never had a problem with him. I liked him in Raven's Flock. And then when he joined the NWO and, you know, Hogan outed him, he's like, what is your name? I'm Horace Boulder. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a decent storyline, but then they just killed it off. And he became a, a certified member of NWO B team, and they didn't do anything with him. You think being Hulk Hogan's nephew and Hogan calling you out on national television, being mm-hmm. that it would have done something for his career. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know. he never did anything that offended me, but he never did anything that made me go made oh, him stand man, out. Do more with that guy. I think he the was right. there. I think the worst thing that happened to him was first of all, it never should have been referenced that he was Hogan's nephew. Secondly, 
Didn't they like try to over push him to people during like the New Blood storyline or something? Didn't they put him in a like he was with Kidman or he whatever? Was, no, he was with Hogan. He was actually backing up Hogan against Kidman. Against Kidman, okay. And they were wearing those Fubar T-shirts, which I guess stood for "Fuck You, Bischoff and Russo." So, but it fucked well. his career up beyond all recognition. So. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they did what they shouldn't have done with him. Or they, they, I don't know. Yeah, what they did, what they shouldn't have done with him. What they should have done with him is outed him as Hogan's nephew or whatever. And then had all the other NWO guys being like, what the fuck with this guy? You know what I mean? Right. Like they should have done, the done like a nepotism. Nepotism. Right. Right. Like, like, you know, how do I say? Like, they didn't give a shit about the TV belt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Give him the TV title. Exactly. Didn't give a fuck about it. So Horace Hogan is going to have this match with whoever the TV champion is, and Hogan makes all the NWO guys go out there and like help him win it, and then the right have him up on his shoulders and shit like that. You know, that's what they should have right. I mean, there was dissension on NWO B team anyway, with you know Stevie Ray feeling he should have been on the A team and Vincent and this guy. So it would have been Horace would have been the perfect. You know, fall guy for it. Oh well, he's right. causing all the problems. You know, well, I, mean? I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even had him be on the B team. No, but I'm saying they could have been like he this been guy's like, taking our spot. You know, he's on like, the main the main team. Meanwhile, we're sitting over here driving in a Honda. He's on the private jet with Hogan. You know, Scott Norton should be like that guy's better than me. What the right. fuck? Right. Yeah, I'll take So they should have done with him. This thing I'm driving gets twenty miles to the gallon. <laughs> Number 473, Kevin Dillinger, 5'10, 239, six years pro, formerly known as Alan Martin, a former member of the Rock and Roll RPMs with Mike Davis. Fans rooted for him to win his first USWA match. Much better now. I don't have any lots to say. Yeah. Much better now. <laughs> rock, and roll, rock and Roll RPMs was like, I don't know, it was the afterbirth of. The Rock and Roll Express, the Rockers, the Midnight Express, blah blah, all the Expresses and the Rock and the, you know what I mean? Right. They were just, they were just a late, a late eighties version of that that World Class did. They were the bastard childs of the Rock and Roll Express and Rockers. Nobody wanted them. <laughs> They're what you get when you order the Rock and Roll Express off Wish. I love them. <laughs> this isn't Ricky Morton. <laughs> <laughs> Number 472, a name I know we all know, because he was one of those guys that was covered in the magazines, being in the Northeast a lot, Phil Apollo. Yep. And later on, he's, I think, no, that's Ray Apollo. That's a doink. Yeah, he wasn't a doink. Phil Apollo. Might have been a doink. (laughs) Everybody was a doink. Everybody on on this list under, uh, like, 345 was probably a doink. (laughs) Well, Phil Apollo was 5'10", 229 at this year, five years pro, was also billed as Vince Apollo, held the ICW tag title twice with Eric Zabrasha. Chad likes to bring his name up. Formed New Age Management with Gary Hart in World Class. That's that for Phil Apollo. And actually now I remember, yeah, 87, I think, was when that New Age Management, yeah, that was... Oof, you're getting into the 
get to the bad times in world class then they start doing that show from the rodeo arena with some cowboy guy doing cow oh god it's terrible it's you ever just watch i hate to say this it sounds morbid do either one of you guys ever just like go okay i want to watch like the last year of this promotion i want to watch this promotion die mm-hmm. watch yep. the last year of wcw <laughs> watching the last year of wcw is like watching somebody I'm sorry to say, and I'm not making fun of suicide or anything like that, but someone hold a gun to their head and just repeatedly say, I'll do it. Don't make me do it. And you, after a while, you're just like, okay, when? Because <laughs> WCW just kept falling and falling and falling. And it was like, okay, this is the week. They're done. This is the week. They're done. And it never happened. Right. And then every, here comes WWF to, sell, to save them. <laughs> every month or week, whatever you want to say, you can notice that Turner Broadcasting is putting less and yep. less fucking money into the production of this show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like by the end of it, they I, I, I've seen independent shows well, have better looking their, production than their what, last show yeah. was at Club La Vila, yeah, at Spring Breakout, right? So what did that cost of our tab? Oh wait, Rick yeah. Flair was with them, so it probably cost quite a bit. Never mind. <laughs> Andy was sad, so the bill was probably even higher. Right. Brian Walsh is number 471. Sorry, I don't think Ric Flair was sad when that fucking company went out of business. No, he was not. He's like, like, I'm going back to the WWE. Number 471, Brian Walsh, 510, 209, six years pro, dubbed Nature Boy by fans years ago. What? Walsh now wrestles without the nickname. Yeah, Once a rule breaker, uses considerable. I don't know who this guy is. Nope. Number 470, John Rock. 5'11, 229, one year pro. One of many young wrestlers being groomed in the Philadelphia area. Undecided between tag team or singles future. Star of recent Bar Wars cards. I think that's the Joel Goodhart stuff. Because actually, I think that the. Early ECW stuff is some bar like the stuff you see in the, the. I mean, we've talked about on Reliving the Extreme the stuff from yeah, the sports shit. TWA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number four sixty nine, Mr. Fuji. Wow. Five eleven two sixty five thirty two years pro still gets in the ring and he really shouldn't. A great wrestler in his time, but he's simply too aged to compete. A five-time former WWF Tag Team Champion. A record at that time. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Fuji would come out. like They'd, they'd, they'd trudge him out at like Madison Square Garden or something sometimes. Yeah, to have like a t- or a tuxedo match against Hillbilly Jim or something. Right. Well, I didn't know he was still competing. 468, TD Steele. 59210 5 years pro USWA mainstay is a promising youngster has suffered through many te- te- televised preliminary matches but is gaining valuable experience I remember him but I just remember him as a jobber in Memphis yeah, Number 460 Number 467 Rutro Johnny K9 510235 7 years pro what a mad dog. Canadian grappler is as wild as they come, 
Underneath the barking and the drooling is a fine talent, has competed in the WWF, Insatiable Bloodlust. Uh, better story behind the scenes. Right. Wrestling. Like, right. if they would have been able to tell that story, good God. Give <laughs> the fucking moon. <laughs> God, you know, he, he, he had such... I mean, Cornette loved him. We all know that, but... He had such, I don't know. He just kept messing up. Yeah, oh, beyond. Couldn't catch a break. Couldn't catch a break. <laughs> My favorite thing is about about is like they said he'd walk into like Walmart and just take the tag off the flip flops, put the flip flops on. Didn't give a fuck. Right. He's mine now. Like I just, I don't know. Maybe because I'm not I, that personality type. To me, I'm just like. Wow, I don't even know what it would be like to live like to just no fucks. Not no fucks. I don't care if I get arrested. I don't care if I get stabbed. I don't give a fuck. Like, what was it like the story about? Like he went to like McDonald's and they wanted breakfast and they wouldn't make him breakfast. And he threatened the guy to make him the breakfast and they made the breakfast and then he just took it. (laughs) Yeah, pay him for it. (laughs) (laughs) The bag on this guy. He's fucking great. Nate pictured this scene. Johnny K9 walks into Aaron's Walmart, puts on the flip flop, takes the tag off. Aaron walks up. Excuse me, so you got, hey, you're Johnny K9. Yes, I am. You're still going to have to pay for those fucking things. No, if I saw that guy walking into Walmart, <laughs> tag off, like, all right. Greatest flip flops now. <laughs> fighting that guy for $2.97. He's just, and he just walks past Aaron like, <laughs> you have a good day, buddy. You gonna say anything? Are they comfortable? <laughs> they said, well, I ain't saying shit. <laughs> number number four sixty six. Death row thirty two sixty. What six three two eighty two years pro? And actually, right here it says, "What a name." Reportedly, a former prison inmate competed mainly in competes mainly in Florida, but also in the UWF and WCW. Wears illegal steel-toed work boots. That wouldn't be Kevin Kelly, would it? No. Okay. The reason I know is you say he was only two years. Yeah, true. Because he was um, in AWA and all that shit way before he became nails. So I don't know who this is, Death Row 3260, but... I, he's dressed like nails, I can tell you that. Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's right. got the he's probably got even got the orange uh, jumpsuit on. Four sixty five, Bobby Heenan. Wow, six foot two forty five, twenty five years pro, scored a big victory over Mister Fuji in August in New York. Was once a fine, fantastic. I, I know Heenan and Fuji working against each other. Oh my god, that's been great. <laughs> I mean, it would have been horrible, but fantastic. Oh, that's point. what I'm saying. No, they didn't do shit. They didn't do anything. <laughs> All right. Number 464, T.C. Reynolds, 5'10", 233, five years pro. Uh, patriotic youngster is a favorite in several East Coast independent leagues. Engaged in a feud with Lumberjack Pierre in 1988. That sounds like a... That sounds gross. <laughs> I gave her the old lumberjack Pierre. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Limped yeah. away. 
we're moving on from T.C. Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, number 463, Ed Robinson. 5'11", 233 years pro. Promising global youngster is learning as he goes along more than willing to put his body on the line by taking on veteran op- opposition. Always amiable, win or lose. I got right. no who the fuck he is. No. How's Four, he Bobby Heenan? Fuck him. 462, Mad Dog Joe. 5'10", 244, two years pro, as much of a moon dog as anyone, shocked by fans, shocked fans by becoming a contender for the Georgia title, unbridled, favorite hold is a hard bite to the forehead. I don't know who that is either. Uh, I'm not familiar familiar with early 90s Georgia wrestling. I'm sorry, it's just not. What's that, Archie? A hard bite to the forehead. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Number 461 is Tiger Jeet Singh. 6'4", 265, 27 years pro. Once a fan favorite in the U.S., this Pakistani is now he- a ha- now hated in Japanese rings. Not nearly as quick as he used to be, so he bashes foes with swords. I have never seen anything that Tiger Jeet Singh ever did that I ever enjoyed. No, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. It's it's some of my favorite passages of the Foley book. (laughs) Talk about that guy. True. And his wife's like, who's that old man you're fighting in his underwear and his balls are out? Like, I just imagine that conversation. Like he goes <laughs> home, he's like, "Oh, look, babe, I made I made baseball magazine, which Japan's crazy. Wrestling magazine is baseball magazine. Baseball magazine, yeah." But he's like showing her the the layout, and she's like, "Who's that old man in those underwear? And his balls are out. Like, what are you doing? Like, what do you do for a living?" <laughs> That's my favorite thing about Foley's book. That's honestly my favorite thing about his is is I know he's like full of himself sometimes, but he understands the ridiculousness of professional wrestling. Yes. Oh, absolutely. What I do for a living is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Him and Jericho, both yeah. of them realize fucking ridiculous. They, they re- and Scott Hall, they all recognized it. <laughs> Number 460, I think I predicted earlier that he would come up in the conversation. Scorpion number two, 5'8", 219, three years pro. The smaller member of the USWA's Scorpions tag team. Not overly strong, but makes up for it with his foul tactics. Not to be confused with WCW's Black Scorpion. Thank you for clarifying that for us. Nobody's confusing them. Right. Number 450. Oh, go ahead, Dirty. I'm wondering if the Scorpion and the Conquistadors were the same people. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that's just me being a, a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist. theorist. Yeah. Yeah. And T-Sidor 2 had a change to the Scorpion because he's like, I got to change my identity. Did they want to send me the board me? <laughs> no more gold. Number 459, CN Red. CN Red. <laughs> 
Six one. I fucking know him. I like him. I like him. Six one two thirty two years pro. Look up temperamental in the dictionary, and you'll see Red's picture. Flaming red hair makes him stand out. Amazingly, he recently became a fan favorite. I don't know who this is, and the name is cheesy. Look up bag of dicks in the dictionary. Flaming <laughs> red. Oh my god. Number four fifty eight. Ron Starr, five eleven two thirty five twenty three years pro. Rotten Ron has just returned to the sport. Would have ranked much higher, but he has been inactive. Legendary in the WWC for his cruelty and once managed Chicky Star. He was incarcerated, probably. More than likely. Number 457, Kenny the Stinger. 5'9", two years pro. This is an impressive youngster from the Midwest. Defeated Steve Dane for the NAWA title. Could use a different name. Steve yeah. Dane. That was one of well done, wasn't it? Was that Steve Dahl too? That was yes, yeah, Steve Dane was. Oh so, yeah. That wasn't a well done guy. <laughs> I didn't mean that was a well done guy. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> Whatever way that is, but yeah, he no. wasn't one of well done. No. I thought Steve Dane and Steve Dahl were the same guy. I guess I'm I wrong. I don't think so. Number 456, Tom Stone, 5'11", 245, 11 years pro. Rocky has taken his share of lumps, has competed in the preliminary ranks in nearly every federation, despite his losses, a talented on-the-mat grappler. Okay. Yeah. Moving along, Earthquake Ferris at number 455. 65302 6 years pro competes semi regularly in independent leagues famous for his AWA TV matches on ESPN several years ago huge natural bulk makes him hard to beat once again a name i know don't know if i've ever even seen him wrestle uh, i don't think he ever went anywhere in his career just kept going round and round and round and round they call that the ferris wheel yeah hey ferris wheel joke for first really time ever, <laughs> first time ever on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, a Ferris wheel joke. <laughs> That's where we'd slump too. Fuck. <laughs> Number four fifty four, Crybaby Waldo. Oh my god! Six four three fifty eight, one year pro, huge rookie has an odd image. Enters Wait the ring a with a enters the ring with a giant baby bottle. Wait. Wait. Doesn't get many bookings because nobody can find him. <laughs> Wait a minute, though. You hear that name, Crybaby. You don't expect a guy that big. I'm expecting a guy that looks like Harvey Wimpleman. Like, uh, cue his music. And then, like, he's not coming out. And, like, the promoter's are like, where is he? Where's who? Where's Waldo? Where is he? <laughs> Wait, is he in the stands? Is that him over there? <laughs> I found him. I found Waldo. I can't find him. <laughs> I love oh those goddamn books when I was a kid, though, man. Fucking where's oh Waldo? Oh my god! And the best oh thing god. about the fucking where's Waldo books was if you got really into it, there was some adult shit that they'd sneak in there. Yes, was there? Oh yeah, yeah. 
It's like the old Disney covers. It'd be like a guy with his dick out or somebody giving like a motion. <laughs> fucking where's Waldo books? That's not Waldo. <laughs> That's that guy's Waldo. <laughs> 453 Psycho Sam Cody. 5'9", 221, 11 years pro. Veteran claims he's an escapee from a mental institution, but we know better. Uses his odd image as an excuse for pr- brutality. Re- recently started in PNW, which was Pacific Northwest Wrestling. Um, another name that I know, but I don't know if I've ever actually seen him work. I don't know fuck about him. Number 452, Michael Bruno. 5'9", 226, one-year pro. Tri-State Rookie improves with each match, seems to excel in dangerous battle royals, has feuded with Larry Winters, there's a name, Yes. and slowly becoming a Philadelphia force. For all the Philadelphia stuff, we, uh, we've never seen this guy. No, he wasn't even good enough for Cabrini. <laughs> for early ECW, yes. Archie will be back in five. All right. With Larry Winters with his big puffy mullet and his man panties. <laughs> well, number 451 is Joshua Ben-Gurion. That's Ben-Gurion. 6-7-303, 12 years pro, veteran Israeli star, recently returned to the States. Size makes him hard to take off his feet. Now in the UWF, covets about with UWF TV champion Steve Williams. He has a clunky name, and I don't like it. Joshua Ben-Gurion? Yeah. Yeah. clunky-ass name. I don't like it. Well, number 450 is Sonny Blaze. Sonny Blaze. 5'10", 238, four years pro. Popular New Yorker has competed in several federations. Recently scored big wins following a lengthy losing streak. Trained by veteran star Mark Tendler. Sonny Blaze. John Arezzi guy. Yes. Um, he wasn't a bad wrestler. You know? I mean, he was fine. Yeah. But not anybody that stood out to me. Um, number 449 is... Wait, was, he, was he Sonny Beach in WWF? No. No, two two different guys. Yeah, I just know he worked a couple job matches and shit. I just, um, uh, I get, I, I, I get Sunny Beach, Sunny Beach, one of my favorite stupid Bobby Heenan lines. Like we're gonna go to the ring and check out Sunny Beach. Bobby's like, you ever seen his Sandy Beach? Because they called Sunny Beach Sandy Beach, and mm-hmm. and they're like. uh, Monsoon's like, let's go to Sandy Beach. Be like, you ever seen his sister work? No. Her name's Kitty Litter. (laughs) (laughs) And then they just go to the mat. (laughs) Like, like he's like, call her her Kitty Litter. Her name's Kitty Litter. And you hear Monsoon be like, stop it. Or whatever. And it just goes to the match. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. 449, Star Warrior. 6'3", 238, four years pro. East Coast veteran has completely resculpted his body, has taken off many pounds, and now boasts an incredibly muscular physique. Recently returned to the infamous 
I put that in there. IWCCW. I know nothing about Star Warrior. I don't know anything about him either, but he comes out to the fucking Star Wars theme. The he better. I expect of that guy. Number 448. Oh, of course this guy's heavy. I looked ahead at the weight. Paul Bunyan. Jesus, seven foot five, four hundred and nine pounds. The latest giant to hit pro wrestling scene. Huge size rivals El Gigante and Andre the Giant, a native of Canada and a former lumberjack. And we have here vast potential, which obviously that did not ever come to fruition because I don't know who that guy is. Nope, nothing about him. 447, he gets a picture. Super Ninja, 6'3", 266, seven years pro. Japanese master of karate and jiu-jitsu is back in the U.S. Enrages fans with his penchant for brutality. Competed in the AWA under the management of Larry Zabisco. Those dying days of the AWA with the weird combination of Larry Zabisco and the Super Ninja. Like, you know what? The most AWA... So it's awesome. Well, I, I like I referenced earlier, I like to watch the dying days of a promotion. And I think the most AWA I've ever seen is because of my morbid curiosity what, to watch like those last couple of years of the AWA. But the awesomeness of Larry Zabisco should never be overstated. No. I don't agree with that. Oh, Archie's back. Yes, I am back. I'm sorry. That's I, it, it went completely dead for me. I could see you guys and I saw your mouths moving, but I couldn't hear what you were saying. So uh, I'm not a Larry Zabisco fan. You guys know that. And I think Kurt Henning was a much better wrestler than Larry Zabisco in the AWA. Well, obviously, but Larry Zabisco was awesome. Annoying. No, Annoying. Because of the shit he say and do. When Aaron said... When, there was one thing where, they, where he helped Kurt Hennig do something. I don't even remember what it was because Nate knows more about AWA than I do. But the the fucking commentator, I think it might have been even Larry Nelson, goes, Larry Zabisco, did you do that for the money? And Zabisco's like, of course I did. <laughs> Why else would I do something? And do it for free. <laughs> when, I, when Aaron said, Larry Zabisco is, and Archie said, annoying, and Aaron said, awesome. I thought of Vince McMahon and Jonathan Coachman at the <laughs> SummerSlam. When Jonathan Coachman takes him into his office and he's like, this is your office. It's great. And Vince cuts him off. Got and goes, it's also the night that William Regal dances with crime time. Yes. Yeah. It's yes, fucking it fantastic. Money. That I agree with. Yeah. yeah. Number 446, Randy Harris, 5'11", 240, one year pro. USWA newcomer has angered fans with his arrogant attitude. Despite his rancor, a well-schooled athlete, excellent on the mat grappler, can brawl like a veteran. Dickhead Randy over here. <laughs> Number 445, Curly Moe. Oh, man. Uh, six foot, 505 and one half pounds. One year pro. Huge mark. That huge rookie is the oddest of the odd. Looks and acts like the street, like these three stooges. Favorite maneuvers are eye gouges and nose tweaks. So that's probably all he could do. Yes. I've seen pictures of him. I've never seen him wrestle. 
Big fat motherfucker. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, though, that in two years, his tag team <laughs> partner will be joining him. Larry? Larry, Larry, Larry Shemp. Curly Larry, Larry Shemp. Shemp. Larry Shemp. Slightly. Can we name that? Can we make that the name of the show? <laughs> Larry Big fat motherfucker. <laughs> you got to put the space in it. <laughs> Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> Number 444, Max Thrasher. I've heard of him. 6'3", 249, one-year pro, the bounty hunter of UIW, the object of the fans' scorn for his brutal and unmerciful tactics, willing to accept any assignment if the payroll, if the payoff is right. Was he, the, was he one of the schlubs at Cabrini? Yes, he was. In the early days of ECW, Max Thrasher was there. Fred Avery at 443. He was with the Wolfman or whatever. Yep. He was the one that Chad said it was his ring or whatever. That's why he was there. The Wolfman. It was the Wolfman's ring, but Max Thrasher came with the Wolfman package. (laughs) I don't ever want to see the Wolfman's package come. Listen, Todd, (laughs) I'm going to let you... I'm going to let you use the ring tonight. Yeah. But you got to give Max a spot on the card. Again. Yeah. Again. All right. He gets Metal Maniac. Right. Number 443, Fred Avery, 6'5", 360, eight years pro, recently held the Georgia All-Star Tag Title in the Pretty Young Things with PYT James. PYT James. Uses his size to squash opponents currently competing in WCW prelims. Okay. <clears throat> Number 442, Thunderfoot 2, 5'11", 231, one-year pro. Not the original Thunderfoot 2, but a talented rookie. I don't understand why you would take, like, you're, you're coming into wrestling and you're like, you know what, I want to be, I want to be... I want to be a Thunderfoot. And not just... I want to be Thunderfoot number two. Right. I don't understand why right. a Thunderfoot was ever one or two anyway. It should have been left and right. <laughs> <laughs> the Thunderfeet. Yeah, the Thunderfeet. <laughs> the whole gimmick was fucked up and wrong. We've just determined that. But you're right. It should have been left and right. That's funny. Robbie Ellis is number 441, 5'10", 200 pounds, 10 years pro, former ICW light heavyweight champion, leads a double life, also owns a famous main art gallery. Methods harken back to the 80, or the 50s and 60s Matt Styles. I, I remember this guy. This guy had write-ups and shit in magazines because there was a point where he was like the oldest active wrestler. Robbie Ellis? Yeah, I've read about that guy before. Hmm. You should look him up. If he's not dead, we should try to have him on the show. <laughs> there was like a point where he was like legitimately like the oldest active wrestler. Hmm. He said the art gallery thing. That's what made me think of it. So that would have been before Gypsy Joe was the oldest active wrestler. Shit in his pants or whatever in the <laughs> ring. Number 440, 
I didn't even know this guy wrestled after WCW, but anyway. Nitron, seven foot, 295, three years pro, best known as bodyguard for woman in WCW. This giant is forging a side career, currently competing in WWC. Big and tall, but needs seasoning. 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 I didn't even know Nitron wrestled after his stint with WCW. Well, you know who he is, right? Nitron? Yeah. Well, I mean, I know he's that he's that Taylor Main guy. Oh shit, I guess you're right. So yeah, he was Big Sky or whatever, wasn't he? Yeah. And then I was, forgot all about him being the same dude. And then he was uh um Sabretooth. Uh, Sabretooth in the X-Men movies. Yes. Okay. Going, I forgot they were the same honest to God forgot they were the same dude. He's the one that shit like yeah, that like kicked the shit out of fucking Hugh Jackman. And like I can't even remember what X-Men movie that was, but it was like the only good one. And I was well, some people off, but I thought those X-Men movies kind of sucked. Thanks for jo- thanks for jogging my memory because I totally oh, forgot they were the same guy. Same dude. Everybody Fourth- like people people that don't know shit always think it was Kevin Nash. Oh yeah, I knew it wasn't Kevin Nash. Well, I'm not saying you didn't. You did, but there were people like I've met people. But, oh yeah, that was Kevin Nash. I was like fucking Kevin Nash. <laughs> he was a master blaster. No, you're shut. Anyway, go ahead. Number four thirty nine is Crowbar. No, probably not that Crowbar. Six two two forty eight three years pro teams with Bone Crusher as the Barroom Brawlers, the most unlikely USWA tag team champions of the year. Brings metal chairs to the ring, tough as leather. They probably held them for two weeks. Yeah, that's the USWA. Just so Lawler and Dundee could pad their <laughs> fucking roster or their fucking record. Like these no. guys are probably like six five, and like Dundee's hitting them, and they're bouncing around and shit. Beat up by the king and a midget. <laughs> He's like, go down, fucker. Have you ever listened? There's only like 11 episodes of it, but have you ever listened to his podcast? No. Okay. Okay. No, no. Listen, hear me out. He has a podcast, Bill Dundee, that was only like, like I said, it was like 11 episodes. Some no, some hillbilly hosts it. It is unintentionally fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, I forget who he's, he, like, Bill Dundee just talks and he doesn't care what he says. Like they're, t- I forget who they're talking about in the show. It's been so long since I listened to it, but he's talking about some woman that's in wrestling. Like it's somebody that we would know. I just can't remember who it is, but he's just like, yeah. And then the bitch walks up to me and blah, blah, blah. He just, he just says whatever the fuck comes out of his throat. And it is so, fu- it is so unintentionally funny. It's actually really fun to listen to. So. Anyway, number 438, oof, old stanky Jules Strongbow, 6'3", 240, 17-years pro, veteran Indian star, is now a a hated man in the IWA, bills himself as the ghost dancer, combined with Brother Jay to twice hold the WWF World Tag Team titles. So... Something I want to say about this cat, this dude, and his kayfabe brother. 
when we were growing up, they would talk about on WWF TV all the time. Jay Strongbow and the Strongbows would always be one. Just again, because like we've discussed with other guys, they were like, or especially Jay was like a company guy, you know? Yeah. So they were talked about with such, such reverence on WWF TV. And then as you grow older and we, as we talk about all the time and you start digging into things that you haven't seen and you start watching wrestling from days past and trying to learn the history. God, they were fucking awful. Yeah. And then as kayfabe breaks, you realize that fucking Jay Strombo is a fucking prick. Yeah. Like, like a fucking narc and shit. Like, like even to the point where like, You'll hear wrestlers say, oh, like Pat or Jerry or Dave Hebner or whatever. They had to report back to Vince about shit on the show. Like, like what's going on on the road? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but they wouldn't completely... Like, if somebody fucked up, but it wasn't something, like, super bad, they'd kind of, like, you know half-ass report it. Right. Whereas Strombo was like, he'd make it worse. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, you know? Yeah. Like, I guarantee, I shouldn't say I guarantee, but I, like, like, you know, when Sean talks about the fucking time they got fired, like, when they were only there, like, two days or whatever, I bet fucking Strombo fabricated that shit. Oh, I'm sure. Well, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Brett even talks. Like, Brett's like, this guy was a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I like to... I, there was a uh, recent episode of Corny's show where he... some I don't know. Maybe it was when... It, I don't know if it was when Black Jack Lanza died or if there was a question about Black Jack Lanza. But he talked about Lanza doing those road reports, you know? And he would soften it up. You know, he wouldn't want the he wouldn't want the boys yeah, to get in trouble because he wanted the boys to be able to be the boys, you know. Yeah. And that's why they all fucking respected him, you know. Yeah. Jack Lanzo put us in our place at the show, but he's not gonna go back to Vince and be like, This guy did this and this guy did that. You yeah. know. No, if I find a hooker dead in your room, I'm gonna have to- <laughs> Yeah, I might have to report that. <laughs> There's, if there's a police report involved, I'm probably going to have to report I'm that. I'm about to say something. Like, if you're whatever Jimmy Del Rey did, like, that's <laughs> the craziest story in wrestling to me. Is that nobody will say what that fucking was. Yeah. Like, nobody's ever told that story. And the only thing I've ever heard is that whatever fucking happened, it got Tataka fired for like three months just because he was in the room <laughs> and anytime they say what happened they're like it was just a Jimmy Del Rey thing like like, like <laughs> enough said anything else. <laughs> so apparently Jimmy Del Rey was into some freaky ass shit and Tatanka just being in the room they were like you gotta go until we figure out what the fuck happened. <laughs> and if you don't have any of it on you. And then it finally turned out that he was like, I was just there and it happened and I left. 
And they were like, all right, you can come back. You can come back then. Like, I don't know. Like I said, I've never heard anybody say what happened in that fucking room. Me neither. But I've just always heard, like, dudes were like, Tatanka, you shouldn't even have been in there. <laughs> you should have known better. I like that story. And then I also like when Brett talks, I know you're probably going to want to wrap up, but um, Coco's termination or whatever. Yeah. Like, because he threw that. And, and he rightfully should have done it because from what I understand that executive whoever was like using racial shit at him so he threw him through a fucking glass door but everybody was like oh can you believe it they're firing Coco I can't believe it and then Brett was like you threw an executive through a glass door like what you think was gonna what did you think was gonna (laughs) to his to his credit and beyond the mat Vince is like I fired the executive. I figured it was only right to fire Coco. I was like, you'd probably have your job if you wouldn't have thrown him through a glass door. Right. (laughs) All right. We'll do two more here real quick. And then we will wrap up for this week. This is going to be quite a few episodes. I like it. Number 437, Black Demon. 61245 9 years pro mass competitor started his career in the WWF in 1982 we think actually there have been so many black demons in the last 20 years it's hard to keep track so that's that number 436 I feel like that was written by a white guy that's upset about people moving into his neighborhood <laughs> number 436 cousin harold <laughs> It's a hillbilly. I know it. It's oh, absolutely. Huge, huge scuffler. Yeah. Brought to the USWA by dirty white boy Tony Anthony. Just loves an old fashioned fight and reportedly a relative of hillbilly Elmer. Yes. Hates Black Demon. <laughs> Number 435, Moondog Moretti. 6'1, 245. 16 years pro veteran rule breaker earned a bad rep in Pacific Northwest competes only sporadically these days, but recently made WWF appearances hated by Portland fans. Another one of those names that I hear, but I don't know. I didn't know there, I didn't know there was an Italian moon dog. Hey, Pazan. Yeah. I got him. I got him a, a bone over here. It was to say instead of a bone, it's a calzone. <laughs> A frozen, right. a frozen calzone. He's just gnawing on it. 434, a man we recently brought up in the on the Reliving the Extreme podcast, Denny Brown. 5'10", 230, eight years pro, former NWA light heavyweight champion. Mid-80s bouts with Nelson Royal are still talked about. Wrestles in whatever style is appropriate for the foe. And I mentioned on the Reliving the Extreme podcast, ugliest belt ever. That belt that looked like a crown that he held in the NWA. What an ugly belt. There were some ugly belts in Continental too, but on a national level, that was an ugly fucking belt. Yes. And let's round it out. Speaking of ECW and Reliving the Extreme Number 433, the last one we will cover on this week's edition of the show, is 
He's still got the Mr. Mr. Sandman. 6'3", 244, two years pro. Tri-State Rule Breaker is establishing a reputation for brutality. Made debut in June 1990 against popular J.T. Smith. Early advisor was veteran Ron Shaw. So that is the Sandman of ECW fame. Wrestling and Tri-State as Mr. Sandman here in the initial Pro Wrestling Illustrated Top 500. And eventually becomes fucking awesome. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) One thing that I think is funny, uh, referencing Sandman, before we wrap up, is, you know, what's funny to me is of when, when WWE decided to bring back ECW. Okay. Yeah. And and do the whole re you know rebirth or whatever, and of course they fucked it up. It was ECW. They could never do ECW the way ECW should be done. But anyway, what always made me laugh was the fact that literally Vince McMahon's favorite ECW original turned out to be Sandman. Hell yeah! Vince McMahon loved Sandman. I mean, other than the cigarettes, he's probably that's my kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. Fuck Larry Zbysko. So. <laughs> Archie's back. Just enough time for us to sign off. Oh God, I'm sorry. That's all right. Internet issues happen. We just talked about the fact that number four thirty three here was before the Sandman. He was Mister Sandman. Yes, he was in the East Coast Independence. Um, he has a, had a surfer gimmick, right? He was come out in a wetsuit. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It was awful, but. He evolves into the Sandman that we all know and love of ECW fame. But that is where we are going to wrap it up here this week at number 433. So I think, guys, this is going to be quite a few episodes of the show. But I think it's fun. It's a a cool undertaking. You got through 67 of them tonight. So you figure if you get through 50 or 60 a, a time, probably, yeah, about six or seven episodes. And that's fine. That'll work. Yeah. Um. That being said, I want to, first of all, thank Aaron and Archie for joining me this week. And I, I the, the one plug I wanted to give this week, and I don't have the date in front of me. I feel like a terrible host because I wasn't prepared because I thought about it while we were doing the show. Um, Archie. Yes. Do you know, off the top of your head, I can look real quick, when WrestleBash is? Wrestle Bash is, I believe, August 22nd, but I could find out right now. It'll take me no more than 30 seconds. Where is it? August 20th, excuse me. Wrestle Bash is August 20th on Baldwin Road in Parsippany, New Jersey. Yes. The Asylum is presenting its first wrestling convention. Unfortunately, I will not be able to make the trip to Jersey, but Archie, you're going to be there, right? Yes, I am. It's 20 minutes from where I live. Along with David Gold, along with Nick Francis, um, and whoever else from the Asylum will be there. Lots of stars going to be there. A loaded lineup that just keeps yes. growing. Um, yes. And one that I actually thought was really cool is is kind of an internet buddy of mine and the author of a book that I'm reading about the original Sheik, Brian R. Solomon, yes. um, is going to be there. Uh, but we will go down the full lineup um, 
in the next episode, but I wanted to get a quick plug out just because, like I said, I, I didn't think about it before the show, but I thought about it while we were doing the show. The Asylum, all these virtual meet and greets and the podcast and all of that has built to this, the first the first convention done by the Asylum. I know Kevin Nash, Orange Cassidy, Ron Simmons, X-Pac, Carlito, um, many, Thanks, many stars. Victoria. Um it's it's growing day by day. They're doing a fantastic job getting uh, people together to be at the yes. show. And uh, you can get the information, any ticket information or what have you, at the Store dot com. Go there now. Wrestle Bash twenty two, like Archie said, August twentieth, twenty twenty two, in a town that has one of the coolest names ever, Parsippany. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like that being said, what'd you say, Aaron? Sounds like a stripper. I thought you said hot step. I was like, I need Kamosi. I need Kamosi. A stripper. Oh my god! <laughs> a badass song, though. <laughs> too bad. All right. Enemy, too bad the public enemy had to come out to it. <laughs> too bad the public enemy had to come out hey, in general. <laughs> To anything in their pajamas. All right. Aaron, say goodbye. Goodbye. Archie, say adios. Goodbye. And I will say sayonara. And we will see you next week as we continue our trek through the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 500, the first one. Thank you for joining us, everybody. And we'll see you next week here on the We Can't Wrestle Podcast. We Can't Wrestle podcast is a production of Maxin Out Media, all rights reserved.